You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall Studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The building is over 336,000 square feet and is full of over 650 classics for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Check out all the inventory on the website, ClassicAutomall.com. If you have any questions for our host or guest, email us at podcast at ClassicAutomall.com. Now on to the show with our host, the president of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden. Good morning, all, and good morning, Steve and Ethan. How's everybody this Good morning. morning. Show number 23. Look at us. We're pros. <laughs> we, we got them in the can, they say. Yeah, I know, in the can. In the can. I know how to talk this studio talk. Uh, that Pat Travers band theme song that we have is so awesome. It's so good to have music. And uh, thanks to Pat Travers and uh, his manager, Bruce Pilato, for allowing us to use that wonderful song. And uh, we hope to do it justice and hope that uh, – oh, you know, when they're going to be in Sellersville, we were just talking about March the 13th coming S- up. Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Sellersville, Pennsylvania at the Sellersville Theater. So see Pat Travers' band uh, who are kind enough to allow us to do this and go support them and buy their albums and – do all that stuff that they do. And we also have some other exciting news we talked about last week. Uh, we have a new spokesperson, mm-hmm. Alyssa Bainbridge, who's a reporter in the reigning Miss Berks County. Reigning Miss Berks County, former Miss Philadelphia, and yeah. future Miss America. Well, I, I was going to try out for that, but I just, you know. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, I guess I couldn't. Okay. Um, you know, we were talking last week about, uh, you know, the wonderful amount of cars that we've gotten. In. Look at all the people yep. here, by the way. My day. goodness gracious. And today is uh, February the 12th. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about date, even though we're running a week late or whatever. So, That's right. We're recording this a week ahead of time. A week ahead of time because we want to make sure and get it perfect for you, the listener. You, That's that right. one or two people that might be listening. And one of them is my wife. Hi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Another great week of great cars coming in. I mean, it just, they just, the hits just keep on coming in. It's pretty amazing. Um, we got in a beautiful 69 Camaro pace car convertible, <laughs> houndstooth interior, that's a Z11 code, uh, broadcast sheet and the protecto plate. Uh, for those of you who don't know what those things mean, I don't either. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> the broadcast sheet is the, basically the, 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 the template of what to put on that car. So when the car is coming down the assembly line, the guys, the guy at the radio department knows whether to put an AM or an AM FM or an eight track or whatever it is. And then at the end, when they're all done with building this car, the right engine they put in from the bronc, all these sheets there, they were supposed to throw them away, but imagine how much trash that would have generated in one day. So what did they do? They just stuffed them under the seats. Oh, these, oh, build sheet, or build sheet, build basically. Build yeah. Sheet. I got you. Yeah. So and then the protecto plate is the my goodness, so, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Big crowd today. Big crowd. So uh, and then the protecto plate was the warranty plate that came with the car. It was a metal plate that came in the warranty booklet, and it had your name and address on it. You as the original purchaser hmm. of the car, and usually it was done with one of those Dymo things that you know you, you make letters and right, numbers right. out of, and then a little sticker, mm-hmm. and uh, that showed that where the car was built and what engine number was in the car and what the serial number and all. That. So just all that kind of documentation that we talk about that's so important when you're buying a car, especially if you're buying a car as a quasi-investment, mm-hmm. if you will. And we 
we discourage that to some degree. You know, it's um, listen to buy a car as an investment is a risky proposition because who knows what the market's going to do. Certain cars do better than others. Certain things go off the charts. We saw the Buick Grand National mm-hmm. go off the chart uh, the past couple of weeks. Broncos. Uh, a lot of it has to do with what people see on television and what they you know what they hear from their buddies or the the knowledgeable people in the industry. And uh, but buying a car is for an investment purpose. I always say buy what you like. And if it becomes more valuable someday, then hallelujah. And if it doesn't, but, you know, it's just a great, great thing to to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you want to have fun with the car. You want to enjoy it. And then 10 years from now, if you decide it's time to trade up to the next one, well, you hope that it's more valuable than right. it was when you bought it. So, but to buy them as an investment and to know what all the numbers mean, there's engine numbers and transmission numbers and rear end numbers and all these different things, man, you got to be really, really knowledgeable. And if you, if you are looking to buy a car like that, find an expert. Yeah. And you, you know, some high end collectors, obviously, some of them have cars sure. here and they, they really, this, they trade them like stocks. I mean, yeah. this is like, they're on the market. Everybody knows who has what. Yeah, absolutely. And they know the P&E ratio and the 52-week high and low, right. and all that, which has nothing to do with these cars. <laughs> but but they know all that information. It's like people, it's like wine. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that are so knowledgeable about it. And I love red wine, but I don't want to be a red wine expert. Right. I don't want to read about it. I just want to drink it. Right. I, just, I just think that the label looks pretty and it's in the price point that I like. And so that must be a good wine, you know. But there are certain people that want to be that way. And same with classic cars. If you buy them, if you want to buy one as an investment, find an expert. Find somebody who knows about 69 Camaros or 58 Impalas mm-hmm. or whatever it is and have them either look it over or go with you and check it out. Because just because somebody tells you something doesn't mean it's so. And I don't mean that people are lying about it. I mean that people. We ask people all the time, how do you know that car is the original motor in it? Well, because the guy I bought it from told me. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make it so. Right. And he may have been told by the guy before him. So That's right. anyway, I digress from just talking about a 69 Camaro <laughs> to go to all that. So anyway, it's a 350, 300 horsepower V8 on this 69 Camaro. Turbo hydromatic, 350 automatic, which a lot of them came with an automatic mm-hmm. People are surprised at that. They think all the, all muscle cars were a manual nope. transmission. But, you know, a manual transmission back in the 60s was not always, especially with the higher gear ratios, was not always the most pleasant thing to drive. Mm, right. They could barely get over 70 miles an hour without sounding like they were going to blow up. <laughs> you needed that last, that fifth gear. Yeah, it's not as, uh, and, and, and the shifting wasn't as uh, crisp as, say, a Porsche you oh, know, 997, you mean, oh, for example. 997. <laughs> Something I've heard like that. Some people, a really cool guy that works around here has one of those. <laughs> not it's me. Apparently beautiful. Not this it's, cool guy. It's, uh, Everybody's six, got tripods coming in here. I wonder what's going I'm on. I'm not sure. I think there's a photo club okay. that, uh, that makes joining sense. us. Makes sense. Uh, they love taking pictures of the hood ornaments and mm. the details more than the overall car. Mm-hmm. So we get these photo clubs. They come in okay. and they do exercises and you know, how to take a picture of certain. And even even when they take pictures of items that are maybe a little pitted or rusty, like a chrome piece or whatever, it's still, mm-hmm. when they show it in that full-frame photograph, it's really beautiful. Looking, oh, yeah. You know? Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things that uh, uh, not every car is perfect. 
you know, when a guy says, hey, I got a perfect car, I go, well, we'll see. Rare. It's rare because there are so many things that can be imperfect on a car that maybe is really obvious mm-hmm. and maybe isn't really obvious. Right. Like orange peel and paint. Sure. Very difficult to show in photographs. Mm-hmm. So we try to, if we have a car that has some orange peel, and for those of you who don't know what orange peel is, it's, it looks like an orange peel. Mm-hmm. It looks like the skin of an orange. It's kind of bumpy, if yeah. you will. And, right. it, and if you look at a car in a certain light, you can see some of that orange peel. So you have to be careful of stuff like that that you may or may not be able to see with the naked eye or naked. You know, the difference between naked and naked. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> Um, some of the other inventory we got in, we got a 65 Chevelle Malibu SS. It's a factory SS, but a replacement uh, 396 mm-hmm. motor in it. But a 396 in a, in a, in a Chevelle Malibu uh, 65, I mean, that's a small car to begin with. That's a lot of motor yep. for that car. Um, and the paint on it is, as my uh, uh, content editor likes to say, is miles deep. That's right. <laughs> I'd love that. He says that a lot about things, but it's true. It's certain cars are, and we'll talk about Miles Deep paint probably coming up. With it's our a friend guests. of mine in high school, Miles, Miles, Miles Deep. Deep. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, old Miles. Hey, Miles. I've forgotten about him. We we did uh, we featured that '68 uh, Impala on social media. Sure, and that was one of the in the description is Miles Deep, and I didn't mention it in the in the TikTok post, but right. that paint is Miles Deep. It yeah. really is different. Looks like you dive right into mm-hmm. it, and uh, and our our social media is really doing well. Our Facebook and our YouTube and and TikTok yep. and Instagram and I don't know at Classic Automall. Be sure to follow us at, on all the platforms at Classic Automall. That's all you easy gotta, enough. How do you? I don't know. How do you, however get, you get there, go there and then. Put that in and then tell it to do something and then it'll, That's right. it'll show you everything that we're doing here. So we're starting to get really cool at it. Now we've got Alyssa as our yep. spokes person. Because nobody wants to look at you, you or I, really. <laughs> well, Honestly. I mean, we, we've got faces for radio. What do they say? Faces for radio? Yeah, faces for radio. And, I love that. Uh, yeah, that's a great, great line. And, uh, of course, we are recording these, videotaping these, aren't we? Yeah. And you're getting my bald spot, so thanks a lot for that, too. Uh, got an amazing 1950 Mercury Club Coupe in this week. And those things are, you talk about a following. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, just They just have that, that iconic look, that like a 57 Chevy or a 62. Mm-hmm. Corvette, you know, a Corvette Stingray or or any of those really iconic cars and that Mercury Club Coupe. I mean, they're just you just don't see them. And it's got the 255 cubic inch flathead, dual Stromberg, one barrel carbs on it, hmm. which you know, that was that was quite the setup back in the day. And uh, and it was quite the car and and really you had one of those, you were you were, you were the hot shot on, in the neighborhood and yeah, uh, big deal. Yeah. The big deal. Of course, that was a little before my era. Yeah. My era was more muscle cars and and that kind of didn't thing. Sylvester Sloan drive a Mercury in one of those and one of, one those, of those movies when he was one of those poorly done <laughs> that movie Cobra. That, I think it was Cobra. Hey, I think it was Cobra. Yeah, didn't he do a Formula One race movie also? Wasn't did, there like a he? no? He back, uh, there was something back then, and I don't know some right. kind of form. We'll have to check that out. I don't know if it was him <laughs> or not. So glad that I have all my information. We'll get him on the show. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, well, of course. Sly, give us a call. Yeah, yeah, just call us whenever you're free, and uh, we'll have our people call your people and all that good stuff. Um, We've got a 1957, this is going to sound odd, a 1957 Oldsmobile Starfire Series 98 Holiday Hardtop four-door sedan. Whew. That's a long name. So you know the difference between a sedan and a hardtop, right? A sedan has a post. 
oh. in between the driver's window and the passenger window. And it could be a two-door or a four-door. And then the ones that don't have a post, when you roll all in a, in a four-door, when you mm-hmm. roll all four windows down, it's just open. Yep. It's, just, it's a great look. And people don't understand when you say two-door sedan. They go, well, there's no such thing. A sedan means four-door. Right. No, sedan does not mean four-door. Sedan means it has the post. So, But, you know, I'm not going to argue with Good to know. about it. But <laughs> that's my little bit of trivia. And also, it's Porsche, not Porsche. That's that's correct. We get that all the time. Most people say por- more people say Porsche. I, listen, Porsche. I lived in California. Everybody said Porsche. Right. I came back here, and I think people back here probably know better because of the the, the sort of uh, history of Porsche in this area. But yeah, yeah it's, it's sometimes when I when I'm talking about Porsche, I have to write it P O R T I A <laughs> to keep it in mind because otherwise I'll say it like California. Of course, because you know those California people are ahead of the ahead of, ahead of the time, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. And uh, well. Porsche. Yep. Yeah, there is no substitute. That was the right. uh, tagline for Porsche back in the day. So anyway, as Steve had mentioned, I got a 997, mm. which is a 2006 911S Carrera S Cabriolet. It's a mouthful as well, too. Can't Man, go wrong. It is such a blast to drive. Beautiful car. And it drives like, I mean, point and go. It's yep. just amazing. I, I've, I've always wanted a 911, and I always liked that era of body style. So I thought, you know what? If not now, when? Because next year, we're getting a Bola. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you just don't know. What's you, next? You don't know. You got to live for today. You just live for today. I mean, you can't spend every penny you have today, right? And hope that there's no tomorrow. <laughs> right. right. But you could also get hit by a bus today. Don't be frivolous. You know, don't but, be but totally frivolous. You never you know, know what your tomorrow. Is. You, you never know what's going to happen. So um, don't forget also too is our friends in uh, California who are giving away the Co- the uh, Shelby GT500, the Cobra mm-hmm. Experience. Go to cobraexperience.org and you can register. And if you put in CAM11, C-A-M-11, you'll get 25% more tickets than you buy. And uh, that's going to be given away, I believe, in June or July. We'll have uh, Emily, who runs the Cobra Experience out in Martinez, California, back on the show again. And when we return, we've got uh, detailer extraordinaire Tim McNair, also a concours judge, and uh, has his place down here in Bluebell, uh, Pennsylvania, not far from us. So when we return, we'll talk to Tim and uh, see what's happening in the detailing concours world. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with a Classic Auto Mall podcast live from beautiful downtown Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Only live if you happen to be listening well, you can't hear it live unless you're standing out in the hallway right now. <laughs> We're a week behind, and we have a wonderful guest in the studio with us, Tim McNair, detailer extraordinaire and order, or, uh, owner of the Grand Prix Concours Detailing Company. I guess is that adding too much to the title of it? A Concours Preparation Service? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, Grand Prix Concours Preparation. Terribly verbose name, yeah. but. <laughs> 
but it sort of separates uh, what I do from basic detailing. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of the detailers you met are from interesting repute. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should say that. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Stuart. Uh, well, fantastic to, to see you again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've met before. Uh, uh, what's interesting is uh, what I do, and the reason I came up with such a terrible name was the, the fact that it's a um, uh, what uh, is not typical detailing. Sure. Uh, I do detailing more like detailing on steroids. Uh, I'll get a car that's freshly out of a restoration shop at 98 points, and I'm the last guy in line to finish it off that last 2% or sure. 2 points ready to get done. And uh, so I dot the I's, cross the T's, and go and fix problems. Yeah, we were just talking about that a minute ago, that how you know a lot of people think their car is perfect. It looks perfect. <laughs> it looks shiny. I, from 10 feet away, it sure looks good. Oh, yeah. But, boy, you get up close, and you can find all kinds of things. I loved an interesting thing about uh, on your website that I was reading about removing the emblems or the, the name of a car because there's dirt behind there and, and places yeah. that you would normally do in, in a normal cleaning. Well, I'm a technician by trade. I was a Mercedes-Benz uh, tech and... And worked, uh, did flat rate. But before that, my claim to fame, I guess, was I was in the restoration business. I right. did, I was uh, an assembler at a, a place we did 300 SLs, Mercedes. Oh, man. So um, I would, it was like a big model. So I'd get the car uh, body on frame and then have to put in the harness and the gauges right. and build everything out from there. Um, so with that in mind, um, you have to know your limitations. Sure. Uh, as an example, I, I could give you two real quick. Uh, I do things like pull air cleaner assemblies off when I'm doing engine compartments, little things that I can unbolt and that are non-invasive. I'm not going to break any coolant lines or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, damage anything, oil lines, nothing like that. I don't, I'm not equipped for that. Right. But uh, to remove small parts to get to other things, that's a big thing. Sure. I draw the line, though, uh, things like wheels now because um, a lot of the cars I work on, some of the modern supercars, have center lock wheels. Right. I'm not prepared to take a 550 pound feet of torque center lock <laughs> off a car and put it back on. Yeah, exactly. I can get it off. Yeah, you're getting it it's on. It's not it? going on. And then there's that whole liability issue. Sure, sure. And wheels are very fragile pieces to begin with, right? True. Yeah. Uh, I know that. Uh, and, and there's guys who specialize in wheels, and it's better. It's better left to them, isn't it? You know? Yeah, to a point. Yeah. Uh, the exception is the Barani wire wheel, which I do a lot of Ferraris, sure. uh, mid 60s, 70s Ferraris, and. I have special tools to remove those knockoffs, mm-hmm. and they're not the same as, as a McLaren F1, sure. let's say. Um, so they come off easily, but I can spend anywhere between, just to give you an idea what, what this is all about, I can spend anywhere between 8 and 20 hours on one wheel <laughs> because Jeez. the outer lip is all, right. the outer wheel is aluminum. Sure. The center is chrome steel. So right. what you use on the chrome, you can't use on the aluminum, vice versa. You have to be very and then careful. You have to polish between each spoke, all 72 of them in most cases. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, so 72 times 5. Yeah. People don't realize the level of what it takes. I mean, a, a, a Concord-ready uh, detail is extraordinarily detailed, A, and B, expensive, too. I mean, it's not cheap. It can be, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I would imagine that what's an average detail cost for a car going to Pebble Beach? Or, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a loaded question, sir. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a wide range. We'll just leave yeah, it at that, right? Uh, it can vary. Uh, yeah. Anywhere between, you know, on the low end, $2,500 yeah. up to Ten, fifteen thousand, depending yeah. on what needs to be done. I mean, we've heard as high as twenty-five thousand. There, there's certain sure. details. Oh, there's to... there are some people that like to steal, and um, right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. uh, but typically, you know, I work. My job, if I'm prepping a car for Pebble Beach, let's say, sure. or for Amelia coming mm-hmm. up in three yeah. weeks, yeah. 
Um, one of the things that I do is I'll work with the restoration shop along the way. Right. So when the engine's out, they send me in there, maybe polish cam covers and things like that. Sure. Then as they assemble it, I come back in and keep touching up as we go. Right. So it's a compound thing. It's not you just don't go in there and spend 50 hours on the car. Right. You spend 50 hours over a month to get the car done. Gotcha. So. Now, how is in the Concours world has this – uh, touring changed it. So now a lot of the Concord elegance, for those of you who don't know, uh, have a tour that's prior to the actual judging, you know, usually on Saturday, and the cars will be driven a, a period, you know, 17 miles in Pebble Beach or whatever it is, a 17-mile road, and they drive them. And if there's a tie on two cars, then the, the tiebreaker is if the one that participated in the drive. But that's got to change your detail business, right? Because now the car gets dirty. Well, not necessarily, right. because I, I've always had Pebble Beach cars, and they've been doing the tour for over 20 years but um basically we have it prepared so we we come in well here it's all in the preparation beforehand too sure what i find no matter what concord event it could be pebble amelia villa desta it doesn't really matter if i'm doing a car that car is done when it gets off the trailer a lot of you see you go to the polo grounds in the morning uh, at pebble beach on saturday before the show and there's people out there with buffers and polishing and (laughs) cutting paint right they're not winning. Yeah. yeah. That should have been done weeks yeah, that ago. that should have been done. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, so when the cars go on the tour, luckily it's California. Uh, we get very little dirt and rain and stuff like that. Um, but if it's a tour participant, they also don't, they kind of overlook that. It's very much sure. like the Ferrari club. Sure. In Ferrari judging, the first rule is the car should be driven. Right. So they don't care about little stone chips. They don't care about little dirt in the wheel wells. And, of course, they don't really care about dirt in the treads of the tires. I'll give you that right. story about that in a minute. Right. Um, and to that effect, um, you know, the cars that come at Pebble that do the tour, they, they're they easily touched up. And what I'm doing now uh, more than ever is we're seeing cars that are also going from Pebble Beach and doing California Melee or doing right. the New England 1000, one of the other tours. And uh, so we're using more. We're using things like paint protection film. Right. I was uh, going to ask you about that. Yeah. What's your thoughts on paint protection film? And- uh, I love it. Uh, yeah. We use a going as an example. The rockers go way up under the car, and uh, we coat the whole thing in PPF. Uh, we'll do the nose. Right. And we use a removable one if, if the customer would prefer that. Sure. And it comes right off. The well, other. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other thing we've developed is uh, I've developed with my processes is to go to a, a lot of ceramic coatings. Right. On the undercarriage. Right. So I have new spray-on coatings for things like painted wire wheels. It makes your life easy, right? Because you can—it's easier to clean a car that was really clean to begin with than one that was dirty and then you got dirtier. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> but I noticed, like, in, and I was reading in the owner's manual of my new ride. God, I hate <laughs> to get—I love that car. Uh, that there's actually a film on the engine that you don't want to put a degreaser on a Porsche engine because mm-hmm. it will take that stuff that protects it from rust and sure. different things that uh, can. Yeah, so one of the big things right now is uh, dry ice blasting. Yeah, I've heard of that. familiar with the process. Yeah. So basically what it does is it fires a pellet that's about the size of a grain of rice mm-hmm. onto the substrate or onto, let's say, a wheel well. And it literally blows the dirt off. Wow. So the dirt falls to the ground, and there's nothing left on the car except a little water vapor. Right. Um, I have one of these machines, and it, it works beautifully. But it's just one more weapon in the arsenal. It's not like I right. depend on this. Right. But what's happening in the Porsche world in particular is these guys are coming in with, a say, a G-Body 911, and they do the whole undercarriage, and they pull all the Cosmoline, the protective wax, off the bottom of the car. Right. Well, if you're going to show that car at Concours, 
they want to see the protective wax. It's supposed to be it's, on there. It's like the overspray on a, on right. a Corvette. On a Corvette. Over, yeah, yeah, you get an overspray over on the uh, the in, upper intake uh, hose, and that's correct. Right. And then you know, I've, I've approached this this with other people that are in the dry ice business, and they're like, oh, well, we just reapply it with this and this. and this. It's just not the same. Not the same. The factory Cosmoline is there for a reason. Sure. And and Cosmoline is such a cool-sounding word. It is. I like it's that. awesome. Yeah. I like that word a lot. Yeah. So, it, look, it really looks terrible, too, after it dries. Trust me. I would imagine so. Well, and I imagine your office is not just in your, – your main office is in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 miles from here. But I imagine your office is all over the world, right? I mean, you yeah. go everywhere. You, so, uh, you go more to the cars than the cars come to you, right? I have a home office. Right. Um, I don't have a shop. Uh, everything I do is is mobile. Right. Uh, so I perfected that as well. I've got um, specialty cases that I built. If I'm doing uh, something I can drive to, I bring all those with me. Uh, all my stuff is packed in foam so it doesn't rattle in the car. Um, and then if I travel, I use things like Pelican cases. I just got a up. Pelican case. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. Yeah. And you know, I'll ship a Pelican case across the country or wherever I'm going and then send all the chemicals in by UPS or, or right. FedEx because right. uh, I don't want to put them on an airplane. Sure. But to that effect, um, I've uh, worked on cars literally all over the world. Sure. Um, you know, Most recently uh, in Europe doing the uh, – F1 Owners Club tour in Bordeaux. Oh wow, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in Bordeaux. In Bordeaux. Yeah, that's so, what it does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. You know, we were going to vacation there, but we just didn't have enough money. Yeah, uh, but well, so, get a job. Get a job. Well, I wish you know more people on those paint protection film things are yeah. really becoming popular, and they're to the point you really it's hard to tell the difference between one with it and without it. Yep. I mean, you can get up close and see it, but it's not like it glares at you like a bra <laughs> or a bro. Exactly. In the yeah. old days, like they had that horrible bra and yeah, stuff Colgan, would get under it. And, Colgan Custom made a uh, fortune making. Yeah. Colgan Custom. And, yeah. and you could buy them also at Beverly Hills Motoring Accessories. Yep. I remember Colgan. that was a cool place to go when I went to California that one time. But, uh, you know, it's it's all about preserving. But one of the things that, you know, you're preserving these cars for historically as well, too. But you're also working for very demanding people, you know, heads of companies and and big-time, you know, wealthy individuals who are perfectionists within themselves. I mean, that's got to be a challenge also to satisfy them yet do the right thing, you know. Yeah, so I think it's uh, an advantage what I bring personally to the table in the fact that I, you know, I judge all over the country. Um, one of the things I've been hired to do in, in recent years is – uh, actually pre-judging cars. They'll send me to a car. Nice. Uh, I work with the restoration shop. We'll actually bring uh, – I have a, a, a friend of mine that's also a Ferrari uh, judge. And uh, we will literally go through a scoring sheet on the car. How smart. I mean, that's and a then, brilliant idea. Then send it back to the shop and say, make the corrections. Right. If that's what the owner wants. Otherwise, we can make a lot of the corrections ourselves. Sure. Uh, things like stickers and hose clamps I can usually do. Sure. But when it gets to things like we just did a um, – uh, we did a 410 Super America, and it, it like the air cleaner assembly needed to be refinished, and it had some scratches in the firewall and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we sent it back to the shop, and and they took care of all that. And uh, the car ended up doing really well at Cavalino last year, which so. is a great Ferrari gathering. But but you also run the problem that you run architect builder. I mean, so yeah, you, you, so, you, you, you get uh, a little pushback sometimes. Oh, that that's perfect, you know. And getting, then, <laughs> getting back to the demanding client, um, a lot of the clients trust me to to work with the restorer to get it right. Sure. And they they also know their limitations. Most of them are not really hands on and don't really know, you know, they don't need to know the minutia about the car. Right. On the other hand, um, I have uh, I've been doing this for well I've been detailing cars for over forty years. Wow. I've had this business for sixteen years. Right. 
And in that time, I've learned to say no. Yeah. I mean, no is sometimes the best word in the language. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, my clients are the best. Yeah. I really uh, I take care of them. They take care of me. We have a great relationship. And I don't – I'm not here, by the way. I'm not here to promote my business. I'm not here to get more clients. I don't need more clients. We're talking cars. That's what you're here for. Exactly. exactly. We're here to play with cars. Listen, my dad was an architect, and he had the same philosophy. He said, you know what? If you don't – if you don't – like what I like and what I'm telling you you should do, then we're not going to do. I'm not going to design a house for you exactly. because it's not. I, I'm not compromising me because it's more important for me to do the right thing than to do what you want just because you're paying me an exorbitant amount of money to do it. The other thing is too, when I get called into a into a job, let's say that that I'm not. It's unfamiliar territory. So maybe uh, as an example, I'm going to Maine in a couple of weeks to do a um, to to do an alpha and. Um, what I'd like to do is I, I want to go see the car. I'll go over the car with the owner and set the expectations right up front. Sure. So they're not expecting it to be a certain way. Everybody's in the go, on the same page. And right. It really works out well. Well, managing expectations is what we do here a lot. Selling cars sight unseen, you have to manage expectations. You have to let people know what they can expect and what they can't expect. So exactly. when we return, we may talk a little more detailing. We're going to talk Sounds a little good. bit about the Concours world uh, with our guest, Tim McNair from Grand Prix Concours. And we'll see you back in a minute. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast, live from the Classic Auto Mall showroom, studio, uh, podcast world. We just, we have it all here, don't we? And we've got Tim McNair, detailer extraordinaire from Grand Prix Concours. We've been talking about detailing and he does not only that, but also some judging. It's, um, kind of, people don't always know what a Concours d'Elegance, see, I said it right that time, uh, is. And it's just a fancy car show. No, I take that back. It's more it than is, that. Yeah. It is in a way. Uh, how do you pick out of – I mean, my God, you look at 10 Duesenbergs, and they're all perfect. How do you decide which one rises to the top? Well, uh, uh, we should we should probably first talk about what a Concorde d'Elegance is. Sure. And there's two different real very distinctive things. One is uh, a, a French rule 
style, Concord d'Elegance, which would be like Pebble Beach or or Amelia Island or Villa d'Esta in, mm-hmm. in England and uh, or uh, in Italy, uh, Salon Privé in in in, uh, in England. So it's basically a beauty contest. Sure. You're not judging on the minutia. You're not looking at the the hose clamps and the every nut and bolt being correct like an NCRS thing. Sure, it's more like this one's more beautiful than that one, but it's also better prepared. It's period correct, which is a mm-hmm. big thing now. Because you'll see these cars that look like they were dipped in plastic, like a bar top. Right. And, you know, of course, on your you know silver ghost, it never looked that way. Right. So that's a big uh, – over-restoration is a real big factor. Um, then you do mark specific. Right. So to that point, you, you have the extremes. Uh, we'll call it the NCRS, uh, Porsche Club. Um, I, I was actually um, – know of a, a situation at one of the Porsche works reunions or was it works reunions one of the Porsche parades two 356 coupes showed up with no fluids in them wow tires wrapped pedals wrapped seats wrapped well first of all it's a 356 nothing against 356 right, guys but, it's <laughs> but again it's it's a car right okay so when you take fluids out of a car it doesn't become a car anymore it becomes art right so just hang it on the wall and take it off my showground i mean it doesn't yeah. make sense no fun i don't it's get it so far over the top sure that you you lose the fact of enjoying it as a car as a car it's supposed to be driven correct that's what i say so then back to mark specific uh, i i joined the ferrari club probably 10 years ago at this point and the reason i did was their style of judging is based is the same one that's Pebble Beach bases of theirs on, right. and then they add in all the nuts and bolts part of it. But their first rule is the car should be driven. Right. So they want to see cars that are used all the time and, and, and enjoyed, and that's that's a big thing to me. Sure. Then you uh, they, they do it right. They have three categories. You judge interior, exterior, and entry compartment, and you have three different people. Uh, usually you have two experts on that particular car and maybe a noob or some guy that is just getting into judging <laughs> right. or whatever but or or a designer that's a big thing sure. we have designers or people in the field we've had people like luigi canetti junior judge mm-hmm. with us and right. stuff like that so um it, it makes it really interesting and you get to you get to work or you get to see the best cars in the world sure I mean, sure and, and present presented in the best possible light oh yeah absolutely well. I mean, that's the bonus of being a judge, um, and I, I would recommend we. Um, one of the things we're doing in a couple of weeks uh, um, is a uh, judging seminar for the Ferrari Club, and we all get together, and it's open to other people, not just uh, people. In the you Ferrari. invited me, so yeah, I, yeah, I can't Club. come. I'm going to be gone, but yeah, thank course, you for the yeah, invitation. I, I get the hint, Stuart, really. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Listen, I'm going to Florida. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I've had better excuses. Come on now. <laughs> Try it. Uh, but you'll be at the next one, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Of course I will. You but know we keep it light and fun. Yeah. Well, you know, Everybody gets the same scoring sheets. I'll send them out ahead of time. You can review them ahead of time, and we're, we're going to get three uh, three different generations of cars, 60s, 80s, and, and current. So we'll have like a 458, we'll have a 275 GTB, and then we're going to have a Testarossa, so a 80s Testarossa. Sure. Um, and then that way you get a, an experience of what things are supposed to look like and finishes and colors. And more important, it's all about, in judging in particular, it's about greeting the customer, right. again, setting the expectation, right. or greeting the, uh, the, the, the guy showing the car, setting the expectations right up front. Here's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. Right. 
and a lot of times they're they're fresh to the to the Concord world. They have no idea what to expect, and they're very very nervous. It's oh, kind uh, of funny. You've seen it, yeah, yeah. And you just say, "Look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go around the car. We're going to look at it, and then we're going to ask you to open it all up and take a look at this. And you're going to operate things and mm-hmm. check the lights and turn signals. Yeah, and, and then we're going to look at the engine compartment. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're done. And it'll be really easy. It's almost painless. So right. So, well, I've noticed too that the the ones that seem to win. I have a friend of mine who uh, from uh, Missouri who enters a lot of Concord elegances, and he wins a lot of the time. And I and I realized it, it took me a while to realize what the reason the difference between what was the outlier. What was the difference between him and everybody else? He had a great story about his car, and he would tell that to the judges. So the judges would come up, and he would go into this ten minutes of the history of this car, what it did, what it was, how it became, how he found it, and where it ended up. And it was a ten-minute synopsis of a probably a two-hour story, but... The fact is now the judges were engaged. It was like they were part of this car. They understood this car better than the car that was just sitting there with no owner next to it. Right. And it changed the dynamic, and it also changed his win ratio. So. Well, the funny story about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, in a in a Concorde d'Elegance where you've got uh, uh, French rules, that can be important. History of the car all the way. At Ferrari, we don't care. Don't care. We don't care how many miles were on the car. We don't care who the owners were. It means nothing. You're judging the car as it came out. It's supposed to look like it just left the showroom, basically. Sure. And if there was flaws, then, then they should be there, right? Right. So that's the difference, really, because mm-hmm. it's got to be exactly the, about the car versus about the car story. Right, right. And gotcha. uh, it's it's really interesting. I've heard great car stories. I've seen cars that, um, you know, some of the more interesting ones are, are uh, uh, just as an example, we, I've got a client with a, a Tabo Lago. Right. Beautiful and, French car. And probably, well, it's a Tabo Lago teardrop. It's uh, aubergine, so it's like a, a, a eggplant color, a deep purple. If you almost say so, black. I have no idea what aubergine is. Yeah, so it's a very <laughs> heard it, deep but, purple. Okay. And, deep purple, uh, the band. Smoke yeah, on the water. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Same thing. <laughs> I digress. Same thing. So it's a 38, and the car has won literally everything. It's won right. its class of Pebble, Amelia, Villa Desta, everything. And then there's a sort of a best of show of shows at, called the Louis Vuitton in New York. Right. And it won that. Wow. So it's done everything. A little providence. But what's really cool about the car is that in 1938, it drove at Le Mans. Whoa. And it had, they took the spats off the back and they ran different wheels. They had a, a different hood, which had big openings in the side. And they painted Cooling the number and, on the yeah. grill. Oh, and that car God. literally ran at Le Mans <laughs> with its sunroof and its teardrop shape. That's got to be important to the story, right? But it's <laughs> just, I mean, you just don't hear that. No. Know? It's amazing. It's funny the stories you hear about certain cars. And I noticed that my buddy who I was talking about will tell stories about the car. And I sometimes wonder, I go, is that really, you know, did, that, did, did the vanilla wafer founder really own this car? And does it yeah. matter? I don't to know. Me, to know. me personally, I don't care what actor sat in the seat. <laughs> Um, or I don't, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't fall into the Steve McQueen <laughs> crap. Boy, uh, they sure fell into that heavily, didn't people? Uh, uh, you know, I, and personally, and I'll get crucified for this. I think the Janis Joplin car is hideous. Um, <laughs> but, but one of my but, favorite words is hideous. So but I, as I'll, we I'll move on, you. you know, it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter whose ass was in the seat, basically, right. for exactly. lack of a better term. Sure. But it matters to me if if the car has real provenance. Right. I mean, it's something like driving at Le Mans in 1938. That's probably I'm all over yeah, that. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's pretty and, cool. And the way the 
car presents itself to me is important. People don't realize that that color and stance are almost as important as just about anything. I can watch a guy in our showroom, and the car will just talk to him. Well, I have to say, uh, I'm a big believer in prepping the car properly, detailing it for the show. Imagine that. (laughs) So, uh, and that that plays a big part as well. Um, And you know, even though they tell you that they're not interested in dirt, I can tell you firsthand as a judge when you walk down that row, like you were saying about Mm -hmm. the Duesenbergs, right. I'll have 10 cars in a row. Uh, the most difficult time I ever had judging was at Amelia, and I judged pre-war French coach work. Wow. And I had two designers with me. I had Stuart Reed from California, and mm-hmm. I had uh, um, Wayne Cherry, who designed the Pontiac Aztec. The Pontiac Aztec, Aztec yeah. And also the, <laughs> the Cadillac 16, the Sabre. Right. Yeah, it saved him. It was a little bit, Yeah, right. It's all about balance. <laughs> so uh, with that, uh, and they were fantastic because – I would stand back, and I know fit and finish and all that. That's what I was there for. Sure. You know, yes, the door fits properly. The paint looks correct to me and all that. They would walk up to the car, and they'd stand back, and they'd just look at the shape. And they're like, I don't like the way this and this and this. And <laughs> this I'm like, yeah. okay. Different perspective. Yep. Yeah. Which was unbelievable. Funny it was how fantastic different people- to watch it through their eyes. And I, I try to do that at every show. I'll, I'll have a friend of mine that's a... You know, uh, who works, uh, you know, maybe in, the, in a des- the design world or something like that. I love walking around the show with them because, again, you see it from their eyes and you see Different things that you'll never, yeah. ever pick up. What? Getting back, sorry, yeah. to the no, Duesenberg. No, 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 absolutely. Ten cars lined up. When you do your first initial walk around, which is what you should do anyway as a judge, you, you take a lap around, look at all the cars, make sure they're all there, and then make sure you, you know, the owners are there with the cars before you start judging. And uh, you, you pretty much know in your mind as soon as you see two of them of the 10 you're going to know that those two are contenders right they're prepared well they know the owner um is there with the car but you could tell it's just the fit the finish the way the car glistens on the field it's just it talks to you it and, does and, and it's amazing cars have no voices but they talk to you somehow well and it perspective is funny too because my I've, i mentioned this on the show too my content editor who writes our descriptions writes about things that I an 80 Corvette is a great example I walk past them and never think two things about them and my writer was describing it one one time and I re-looked at it and I thought you know if we if it wasn't under performance and didn't have all the things it's really kind of a cool looking car but, sure. you, but but you you have a tendency to walk past it because it's eh, I had an interesting perspective and story. of course yeah. most of them were beige yeah <laughs> beige yeah. not exactly what, what a lovely color yeah, it's a wall color I bought a Chevy Citation that was beige with 10,000 original miles and my wife's I thought, well, it's a collector. She goes, it's still a beige citation. Yes, it is. So you talk about perspective. I got to watch Sunday football one time with Dick Butkus. Nice. And sitting on a couch. And you talk about seeing a different perspective of yeah. things that you never see. Because he'd say, hey, watch the end on this thing. Well, I'm not watching the end. I'm watching the ball. So. Right. But, uh, but anyway, um, so you're a Formula One fan, I get, from your jacket and from your email address. So Yeah, uh, I'm wearing a McLaren garb today <laughs> for many reasons. Um Mostly because I, I've done a lot of work with them uh, in the past through using their um, – doing their press cars and that sort of thing. And I was involved with the MP4 and P1 launches and nice. all that fun stuff. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big McLaren fan. I'm a huge Senna fan. Yeah, me too. I was a huge Senna fan and uh, hated to see him go so young. But yep. uh, I think McLaren is on to something, don't you, this year? I, I think, think they're going to do well. I think they everybody's going to be looking – I think – Everybody would be looking at the back of Red Bull, regardless. Yeah. What do you think about the uh, end race, the fiasco? Does that bother you? Or do you, you really want me to be <laughs> honest from here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love the uh, – I, I thought I thought it was great, and I don't really – I am I was always a Lewis fan until recent years. Yeah, he's become and, a little uh, tiresome. I'll just say 
that uh, I thought that that lap of Max's was brilliant. Probably the most brilliant ever. And when he came out of that last corner sideways onto the start-finish line, that was pretty awesome. But more importantly, uh, my perspective is that Toto had a chance to change the tires. Right. And he didn't. He didn't. And that was a huge mistake. And if he would have changed the tires, it would have been a different ending. What's funny is the mistakes that Mercedes made last year were interesting. If you all didn't follow Formula One, sorry, I digress. We're going to go off on this. Mercedes made some really obvious mistakes on pitting, on stopping, on a stop and start before the race. I mean, they made some huge mistakes. I think it was Max's season to lose. Yeah, exactly. They had a much better team. They had a much better uh, situation. I think it was... uh, uh, I think he had a better drive all year. Uh, Lewis, um, to me, a lot of times phoned it in. Um, Yeah. But more importantly, at the end of the season, I don't care how angry you are. Don't say, I'm quitting. I'm done. Uh We saw that in football. Such a crybaby. I'm done. You know what? We saw that in football. With Tampa Bay Buccaneers and saying. Antonio went walking off the field in the middle of a oh, game. Oh, that so. was a different thing entirely. But Would you know. like to stick around for our third segment? Because we still have sure. stuff to talk about. Absolutely. So when we return, Tim and I will continue <laughs> to talk about stuff that you all have no idea about. And just yeah. turn us back on in 15 minutes or so. All right. We'll talk to you in a minute. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Funny that a guy in a Ferrari shirt is just walking in the door as we're talking about <laughs> Formula One. And so you don't see many Ferrari shirts in Morgantown, PA. We have our guest, Tim McNair, here. We're going to get back with him in just a minute because we've got more to talk about. But in the meantime, we've got our four on the floor to do. And if you know the answer to the car, the particular car that this these four clues go to, then email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. This is a car that's in inventory. It's not just a, you know, a random car or a make and a model. You have to be specific. What's the stock number, year, make and model of the car in our inventory? And the four on the floor, four clues to tell you what this car is. Clue number one, vigorous spirit. Clue number two, founder's initials are on the car. Clue number three, connections to the first modern Tesla. And clue number four, just 559 of this series were brought to the U.S. So if you know the answer to that, 
then go to podcast at classicautomall.com and we'll send you a hat, right, Steve? T- Tim looks stumped, so I think I'm pretty <laughs> proud of my work. I bet you Tim could get it. I never get them. I feel stupid. So I plead the fifth. So where did we sell cars in the past week? We like to always mention that and tell everybody where the cars went. We sold 28 cars last week, which is just mind-boggling. So where do we go? I got to – let me take a breath or two so I can do it. Southbound Brook, New Jersey, New Providence, Pennsylvania, Alpharetta, Georgia, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Webster, Texas, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Colleen, Texas, Mechanicville, New York, Kissimmee, Florida, Kyle, Texas, Westchester, Pennsylvania, DeLand, Florida, East Earl, Pennsylvania, Reutersburg, Germany, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Westchester, Pennsylvania, Forest Hill, Maryland, Gatorsburg, Maryland, I don't think I pronounced that right, Newark, Delaware, Port, Point Leo, Victoria, Australia, Oakland, New Jersey, Hawkinson, Delaware, and Kobishi, Japan. We sold two to Kobishi, Japan. Actually, yesterday we sold a 59 Cadillac Coupe de Ville and a 35 Fraser Nash TT Roadster replica to uh, Japan. So that shipping bill won't be very expensive. <laughs> nah. We're talking with Tim McNair, uh, a, a local guy who uh, travels worldwide to prep cars for concours and uh, concours. And uh, and also uh, a judge at all the concours. And then you got a new project you're working on, right? Uh, yeah. A little kind of something a, with a little company called Haggerty? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a little thing we've been uh, we've been throwing together for the last couple of months. Um, we're doing a, um, uh, a show for a YouTube channel, um, TV gig. And it's um, what's interesting about it is it's not like anything you've seen before as far as a – I don't even want to use it as a detailing show, but it's more of a uh, – and for lack of a better term, it's simply car porn. Um, right. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be anything – again, uh, it's not a how-to. I'm right. not going to show you to use a buffer. I never use the words paint correction in any <laughs> sentence. Uh, but you'll see some weird techniques and some crazy stuff that we've done on cars through the years. And um, so the first couple of episodes, I can give you maybe a little mm-hmm. background, but yep. uh, you're going to see some really interesting cars, cars you've never seen. Right. And you're going to get an all-access look, including things like uh, the uh, the engine compartment, the wheels. I mean the uh, the uh, uh, wheel wells, the right. engine itself of McLaren F1. We we take a set of gauges, Smith gauges apart, and clean the glass and put them all back together. We wow. do uh, uh, polish uh, the Lexan rear window on an F40. Right. Uh, but there's all these cars, and you're it's it's sort of an unbridled look at at the intricacy of some of these most incredible cars that you don't normally get to see. I yeah, mean, first of all, unless you own one, and even then you don't see it. Exactly, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and we we have a, a quite a few. All the cars are going to be. They're not going to be completely high end, uh, but they're going to be very unique. Uh, right. One of the cars we feature in the first round is a uh, Nissan Z432. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. So yeah. it's a 240Z, right? But a 432. Uh, it's four valves per cylinder, three carburetors two cams so it has the skyline engine in it mm-hmm. they built 400 units jdm only it has magnesium wheels and right hand drive and it's just this beautiful little gem what so, year were those done was that early or 70s 69 through 72 71 i think yeah well, tell you what, only 400 of these were built funny and, you know there's a lot of cars built by the toyotas and the nissans of the day or Datsun back then uh back in the day that were you know the toyota 2000 you know Shel- oh, yeah. shelby's toyota 2000 is coming up for auction i just yes in fact uh, that's one of the cars we're uh probably be featuring in whether it's this series or the sure. next is a 2000 gt yeah fantastic cars that people didn't realize i mean if you look at what honda was doing in formula one back in the sure back in that era and uh, the, the toyota used a you know yamaha derived uh, engine 
very much like a Taurus SHO. <laughs> Look yeah. it up. Uh, Taurus SHOs are cool cars. We had one recently. It was in suspect condition, so yes. we, it wasn't uh, well maintained. It was driven. Somebody drove the crap out of that car, and good for them. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, listen, that's we were talking. A Marauder pulled into the parking lot a little while ago. A murderer. <laughs> that's what we call. <laughs> yeah, we uh, those and the uh, the Impala SSs and the Chevy 454 SSs. Those are all you know these future collectibles. We just sold a Grand National. We were to Steve and I were talking about uh, because one the last Grand National sold for what did that bring three hundred and uh, five hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, for a GNX. Yeah, yeah, no, not a GNX. This was for the last the, production Grand National. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, the last production Grand National, five hundred thousand. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, is it right? Is it correct? Is it a market? Uh, well, we'll get, we'll have Dave Kinney on to go through all that one. Yeah, of it's days. funny. Uh, funny story. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, I did one. I did a GNX back in the day uh, when it was first uh, when it first arrived. And right. The one thing I remember about it, besides, you know, it's crazy fast in a straight line. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Right. And uh, but the right corner of the roof uh, had been painted. Well, I should say not painted. Right. So as they brought the spray gun over the top of the car, they missed the right rear corner of the roof, <laughs> and it's in primer. Nice. And uh, nice. it's still that way today. That's funny. Yeah. You know, I never liked the way those or the Pontiac Trans Am turbos actually drove. They they were they weren't they weren't a nice solid acceleration feel. They were they were like a almost like a golf cart. It felt like it was instant on, but it wasn't it wasn't a fun experience driving them. They were very fast. Well, that's the thing too about you know normally aspirated versus turbo versus supercharged, right. etc. But uh, today's world with things that uh, where where electric motors are supplementing turbocharged cars like in a p1 where the the acceleration is just so completely linear right and you don't realize how fast you're going until you go whoa uh, or like an electric car i mean you know tesla plaid i mean rules it's i i personally think it's a it's a mistake to put you know a zero to 60 in two second car in the hands of the general public um, yeah. who are non-car enthusiasts for the most part. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I, I always say that if, thank God they didn't have Hellcats when I was 16 years old, because I had a 70, you know, tra- Trans Am 455, and it had 220 horsepower, and that's yeah. all I needed. Right. I didn't need anymore, because I would go as fast as it would go. Right. But it's like, people don't realize that electric cars, the instant torque, it's like my golf cart, you know, it's, it can, it's, now. It's now. It's just instant when you mm-hmm. hit that. So, uh, and listen, I'm, you know, that's a whole nother show about oh, electric cars yeah. and, and all of that. I see them having a place in the car world. I don't see them being the replacement of the car world. I would agree. And uh, and I know that, thank God, there's enough rich guys with petroleum-based cars that they have the ear of their senators and congressmen and all that that hopefully will still have petroleum long enough for us to get to it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then I don't really care. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My kids aren't into cars, so right. what do I care beyond that? No, I do care. And and that's one of the things that Haggerty, the company that you do work with, mm-hmm. uh, is very conscious of is the fact that 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 we want to get the kids involved. Uh, we've talked about doing a program here where you get a badge and you can take it to sure. any car show the children they know not to touch the car they know not to run they say well why is why are you well it's okay if they run in here no it's not there's could be an oil spill there. that's right you want them to break their neck no of course you don't plus it's just rude you just don't let your kids run and 
public. But yeah, you know, that's story for another day. <laughs> uh, a whole another day. Now, but in, in light I, of that, yes. uh, getting back to the judging thing, we yeah. uh, uh, something new at our Ferrari. We we have we're one of the few regions in in the country that has two Concours events. Right. So Cavalino and no uh, uh, locally. Oh, locally, regionally. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. So our first one is in is uh, in late April, and uh, but we have Haggerty coming in to do their junior judging program right. at our Ferrari show. Nice, nice. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, it's kids between say uh, I guess six or seven to about 11 or 12 right. and they'll come in they get them score sheets and they give them shirts and hats and they score the so cars so awesome yeah. you know they did a uh, they do a great job with that they did a treasure hunt here uh, with some children uh, about two weeks two or three weeks ago and they had to pick, figure out what the car kind of like our four on the floor but with a little bit better clues or yeah. easier to clues that sure. we weren't really trying to stump them and they were having a blast they were learning things about cars and so we we want to encourage that because we do want the hobby to continue and and the the thing the reason I know the hobby will continue is because I can still sell Model A Fords. That's right, which is unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We guaranteed 10 years ago that Model A Fords, would, you could <laughs> never sell one again. Those things are done, done. Oh, Duesenbergs were almost to that point. I remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, a nice J-model Duesenberg could be bought for $400,000. Yeah. And you won't find one. What did the engine sell for at Worldwide? Right. Oh, $75,000. Now, if I'm Dan Rather, I'd say... What question did I not ask or that I should have asked you, Tim? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. I'm good no, at questions. No, yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, so tell me what's going on in the future. You're, you're going to Amelia coming up? Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully going back to Pebble Beach in, in August. That would be great. Yep, me too. Uh, sort of the Holy Grail. Um, and judging there is, a, is an experience unlike any other. I can't imagine. Um, but, yeah, uh, Amelia's first. That's our next big gig. That's mm-hmm. the that, uh, first week of March. And then... Uh, from there, we do our local Ferrari show. Then I've got Greenbrier. Um, I can't wait to go. I'm going to go to Greenbrier. Yeah, I love course, that place. Then Greenwich. And then uh, then in the fall, we've got the Ryder Hunt Concours, Audrain. Um, yeah, you should come to Ryder Hunt being local here. We, we do. We, yeah. we, 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 we are, love uh, it. I'm the chief judge there, so we love it. We have a nice setup in the tent out there. You don't get to come out and see us because you're busy. I'm inside. too busy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. As when you're doing that job, it's funny. People think it's some, you know, it's some prestigious thing, but basically you're hurting the cats. <laughs> you never look at the cars, and, exactly. although people will call you and ask you why their car didn't get an award, and you're like, well, I have no idea. I didn't look at it. And plus, you get to in the middle of summer wear a navy blazer. Yeah, oh, oh that's, that's a, a lot thing. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it's, nice um, and cool. I, I found the secret to that, and that is buying the right shirt. <laughs> You know, you buy like, you buy one of those cool shirts yeah, that look like a dress shirt. It's cool, and it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, wonderful having you on the show, Tim. Well, thank uh, you, we'll, I appreciate we'll, it. Yeah, we'd love to have you on. And let's talk again uh, later in this year. We'll have you back on, and I think we could do this for more than an hour, <laughs> certainly. Uh, yeah. I, uh, between I, the two of us. I've uh, been, yeah, I've been told that. <laughs> I've been told that as well, too. Jibber-jabber about jibber-jabber. Pretty so much. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to have uh, another guest. I think it's Frank Incremona, a Camaro author, who wrote a book about Camaros and numbers matching and all that good stuff and uh, we will see you next week uh, here at the classic auto mall studio talk to you then awesome we appreciate your listening to our show today and don't forget when you're in southeastern pennsylvania come visit us in person we're open monday tuesday thursday and friday from 9 a.m to 5 p.m wednesday is our late day and we're here from 9 a.m to 8 p.m saturdays we're open from 9 a.m to noon and we are closed on sundays You can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at classicautomall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. The Classic Automall Podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media. Theme song by the Pat Travers Band.
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.